Every breath that we take, we give it all to Him. If it wasn't for Him, we wouldn't have breath. The altar is open for you this morning. If you have a burden that you need to bring to Him, uh, the altar is open for you. If you want to just simply come down and to shout words of joy to Him, uh, the altar is open for you. families that are here that that are burdened this morning and I know that there are those that are here that are in joy this morning as well there's a there's a young gentleman that I have came to know he just simply goes by DJ and this morning I ask that each one of you would just simply pray that God would allow DJ to know how much he is loved. I know there's other issues and stuff that we have, but we just need to let God know. Ask God to show up in this man's life and to let him know how much he is loved. Dear Heavenly Father, I do come to you and God as we have people that are here at the altar. God, that is thanking you for new life. Oh, dear Heavenly Father, I pray, God, that you would continue to bring out joy in their lives. And God, the ones, dear Lord, that are here, God, with the sorrow and the heartaches, dear Lord, of this day, God, I pray that you would touch them. And God, yes, as we join together with one heart, God, I pray, God, I pray that DJ would know how much he is loved. He is loved by a God. By a God that is love. By a God that created him and loves him. And God, I know that you love each one that is here and each one that hears my voice today. And God, I pray, dear Lord, that your love would be seen and felt. God, I pray that you would be with us in this service, dear Lord, as we break your word. And God, that you would guide us and that you would direct us. God, I pray, dear Lord, for the ones that are calling out for a healing touch, God, that you would be that healing touch. We thank you and we praise you this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. This morning, I would ask that you would turn into... Uh, in the Gospel of Matthew, and we're going to be looking at the 16th chapter of the Gospel of Matthew, and we're going to be looking today at verses 21 through 23. Today, I think, uh, you know, today's message for us is going to be about our love for God. And as we think about this, God has called us and is calling us 
to be his disciple. And as I read to you this morning, uh, you know, God is calling for us to turn away from our self-interest, from the things that we believe or the things that we think are important or the path that we feel or think that God has set before us to make sure that we are putting away our selfly interests or our self-interest and we are looking and following God's will. And in following God's will, we ask the question, or I make this statement, I don't know why I put a question mark on there, but I will go this way. I will go this way. And let's look in the scripture here to see what way that we're talking about here. In verse 21, it begins and it says, From this time on, Jesus began to explain to his disciples. So we have to go to the passage of scripture that I preached from last week in Matthew 16. And it's dealing with Jesus and his disciples in the city of Caesarea Philippi. Whenever Jesus asked the disciples, who do the people say that I am? And they gave, them, they gave him the list of all the different people or the different names as far as who the people thought Jesus was. And then he comes down to it and he says, okay, he says, now who do you say that I am? And you remember this because this is where Peter makes this proclamation. He actually makes two proclamations here for us. And the first one that he makes is, is that he says that you are the Messiah. And the second proclamation that he makes is, is that you are the son of the living God. So not only is he the Messiah, but he is also the son of the living God. So he makes those two proclamations. And from that moment on, it's kind of like Jesus has kind of flipped or has, has changed his focus. Jesus knows that his ministry and his life is going to end on the cross and end at death. And that he would have to be raised from the grave after that. So he knows this. So now he is going to begin to prepare his disciples for him departing. So he gives them information. So that's what he's talking about. So from this moment in time that he has this, he begins to say this. And he tells them, he says the, to his disciples, that he must go to Jerusalem and suffer many things at the hands of the elders, the chief priests, and the teachers of the law. And that he must be killed and on the third day be raised to life. This is really specific. He has clearly made this statement. He has clearly told the disciples that he must go to Jerusalem. And whenever he goes to Jerusalem, he will suffer many things. And he will suffer these things at the hands of the elders, the chief priest. And the religious lawmakers. So where's the problem? Where's the problem that Peter has? Because from there Jesus says that he will be killed. 
And then on the third day, that he would raise, be raised from the dead or he would rise again. So where's the problem? Peter would have known that a prophet has to go to Jerusalem and the prophet has to be or has to receive the stamp of approval from the elders, the chief priests, and the religious lawmakers. So Jesus going to Jerusalem wouldn't be the issue. And it wouldn't be the issue that Jesus would have to meet with the elders, the chief priest, and the religious lawmakers. But where the problem was is what those elders, chief priests, and lawmakers were going to do to Jesus. The problem with that is, is that his Messiah... The one that he thought, the one that he was leading or that he was following, the one that he had just proclaimed was the Messiah and the Son of God, was now going to be persecuted. He was now going to go into Jerusalem, and instead of being accepted by the lead priest and the leaders of the law, he was going to be persecuted by them. Not only was he going to be persecuted, but he was going to be put to death. Now, I don't know about you. Well, yes, I do. Because you're human. Because we all listen until something is said that we don't want to be said, and then we shut everything off. And it becomes like Charlie Brown's teacher, and all we hear is wah, 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 right? Your wife asks you, your wife has a chore list, right, for you to do, a honeydew list. And the first couple of things that she asks, you're like, yeah, I have the energy to do that. I have the time to do that today. So we listen to it, right? The third one comes into effect, and you're like, oh, I don't really want to spend all my day doing the honeydew list. So immediately it becomes wah, 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 wah. We hear what we want to hear. I, my kids, whenever they were growing up, I know how my attention span was. So whenever I gave them instructions and gave them directions as far as what I needed them to do, I would stand in front of them and I'd say, now look at me eye to eye. And whenever I had their attention and they were looking at me eye to eye, I knew that they would at least get half of what I was telling them. Peter gets half of what Jesus is telling him. He gets that, yes, we're going to have to go to Jerusalem. Peter's okay with that because for Jesus to really be the prophet and the Messiah that he's just professed that he has, he needs the stamp of approval from the chief priests, the elders, and the religious lawmakers. So he's like, okay, we're going to Jerusalem so you can get this. But then all of a sudden, Jesus says that I'm going to suffer and I'm going to die at the hands of these people. From there on. Peter didn't hear another word that Jesus said. How do we know that? Because Jesus specifically told Peter, 
and the other disciples, three days after I'm killed, I will rise again. You got it? Three days. Yes, I'm going to go and I'm going to suffer and I'm going to be killed. But three days later, everything is going to be okay because I'm going to rise from the grave. Peter never heard that. Never heard it. 23. I'm sorry. Let's go to 22. We can't skip 22. It says, Peter took Jesus aside and began to rebuke him. Never, Lord, he said, this shall never happen to you. So what should never happen to him? Persecution? They had already been persecuted. They were already facing persecution. Suffering in the death? Yes, that's possible. But it's the ones that were going to be doing this. That Peter had issues. They were supposed to put their stamp of approval on Jesus to be his Messiah. And it wasn't going to happen. I want you to picture this to help us further along through this. So Jesus is here and he's had this conversation. And I imagine this is somewhere around number 50 as far as times that Jesus had told the disciples what was going to happen. Peter walks up to Jesus and kind of pats him on his shoulder and pulls him away. And you see Peter and Jesus is walking away from the other disciples and, and Peter says, never, Lord. Never is this going to happen to you. I want you to see this because it says Jesus turned and then spoke to Peter. Now, Jesus and Peter's walking the same way. So, whenever Jesus turns, Jesus turns and looks at the other disciples. And then Jesus says, Get behind me, Satan. You are a stumbling block to me. You do not have in mind the concerns of God, but merely human concerns. Can you imagine this? Here we go. Peter and Jesus are kind of walking you know, by, you know, they're, they're kind of arm in arm, and, and Peter's like, Lord, no, this is never going to happen to you. No, it's not. Jesus turns, and immediately in his mind, in his process, Jesus remembers Satan in the 40 days in the wilderness. And he says, Satan, get behind me. Get behind me. Because you're trying to get me to do something that is not in my Father's will. All of the temptations that Satan came forth with Jesus in the desert, in the wilderness, all of them had to do with shorting or with taking a shortcut in the path that God had set before Jesus Christ. 
each and every one of them was asking Jesus to become the Messiah, but not going to the cross. To become the ruler of the world, but not going to the cross. Jesus tells Peter to get behind him. Get behind me, Satan. So then he goes on. Verse 24. Then Jesus said to the disciples, Whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross and to follow me. For whoever wants to save their life will lose it. But whoever loses their life for me will find it. Someone to gain the whole world, yet forfeit their soul. Or what can anyone give in exchange for their soul? The Son of Man is, come, is going to come in his Father's glory with his angels. And then he will receive each person according to what they have done. Truth, truth, or truly I tell you, some who are standing here will not taste death before they see the Son of Man coming in His kingdom. Verse 28, a misconsumption, a misunderstanding. Jesus was not talking about the end times. He was not talking about the final resurrection. He was talking about the resurrection that he is going to do three days after his death. But not only that, he is also referring to and talking about the moment in time whenever he would ascend into heaven. Some of those men there would experience that. But let's go up and let's look at this. I want us to see this, and we've really got to understand this. In the biblical days, in the times that Jesus is here and where we're dealing with, everybody knew about the crucifixion. Everybody knew that the crucifixion was the death penalty for the criminals and for anyone that had anything to do as far as denouncing the Roman government or doing anything that the Roman government chose or saw that was taken away from their power. This was their death sentence. So if you were going to be a part of an uprising to overthrow the Roman government, you knew that if you got caught, that the cross would be your final step, would be the direction and the path that you were going. Are you willing to make that step? Are you willing to make that proclamation? 
Think about it. Because whenever you were convicted or whenever you were caught by this, you were put into prison and you didn't spend several years there. You might have spent a couple of weeks. You were headed to be hung upon the cross. There was no question. You remember on Jesus' cross, what did they put on the top of Jesus' cross? King of the Jews. Everybody knew why Jesus was hanging on the cross. Jesus is telling us, if you want to be my disciple, if you want to follow me and be my disciple, you must pick up your cross and follow me. So what does that mean? That means that I am going to walk the streets of Rock Hill carrying the cross of Christianity. That there will be absolutely no doubt that whenever I am walking down the street or I'm in the grocery store or I'm in my car or I'm walking down the street in my neighborhood or whatever you're doing, there will be absolutely no question that you are carrying the cross of Christianity, that you believe in Jesus Christ and you are carrying that cross all the way to the hill of Golgotha where you will breathe your last breath. There needs to be an amen, hallelujah, praise the Lord there. Or it might be an oh me. Because you might be like Moses, and you've set that cross down. You remember? Moses, young Moses, learned about God from his mother, and then was sent back to Pharaoh. Set his cross down. Whenever he killed the Egyptian soldier. Moses as he was leading the Israelites through the desert. Sets his cross down as he strikes the rock. Instead of speaking to the rock. Like God had told him to. What about King David? King David set his cross down in private whenever he had the affair with Bathsheba. I profess to be a Christian, but I want you to know there's moments and times that I have set my cross down. And I have done things that I know was wrong. There's times and I've done it in private. There's times whenever I have allowed my friends around me to talk me into setting that cross down and doing something that I knew that I shouldn't do. But wait a minute. Let's look at this passage a little bit more. 
who was going to be persecuting Jesus? The religious leaders. We as Christians today, if you're carrying your cross, as soon as you profess to be a Christian, you're going to be persecuted. And the persecution that you're going to receive can and will come from people sitting within the church that are professing to be Christians as well. Jesus walked through the city with the cross on his back. Listen to the jeers. Listen to the people crying out. I imagine several of them went up to him and pushed him. I think Mel Gibson in The Passion did a great uh, you know, uh, visual for us of the crucifixion. And as Jesus was carrying his cross, someone from the crowd literally came and punched Jesus in the face. If we are willing to carry the cross, we will be persecuted. I know that whenever I accepted Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior, I know that those days and those times and stuff that some of my friends in high school, I lost them. Sometimes whenever I went to church on Sundays or on Wednesday nights, instead of playing basketball or going out and playing baseball or, or whatever, I, I know they laughed at me. Being that I grew up in Baton Rouge, Louisiana, and there's a lot of Catholics. And I stood my ground times on the parties and stuff and not going out and drinking and partying and then going to the priest and asking for forgiveness. I know that they were my friends that persecuted me for that. But I carried the cross. Do we believe in Jesus Christ enough that we are going to publicly carry the cross knowing, knowing that we are carrying the cross and that we will be persecuted for that cross? Can I let you know that you cannot carry a cross in private? The cross that you carry is public. Everyone will see it. Can I also let you know that you are either going to carry the cross of Jesus Christ or you're going to carry the cross of the world? Whichever cross that you carry, you will be persecuted for that cross. Ask the people that are dealing with, or that back in the, in the 60s and 70s, that was dealing with the racial tension. 
and the families that stood up. The families that had crosses burned in their yards because of their race or their color. Your cross will be visible. What about the homosexuals and the lesbians? Their cross is visible. They are, they will be persecuted because of the cross that they're carrying. The cross that you're carrying today. You will be persecuted for that cross. Do you believe in that cross enough that you will carry it all the way to Golgotha? Will you carry the cross of Christianity all the way to death knowing that you're going to be persecuted? Are you willing to carry that cross? Jesus talks about it here. He says, if you want to save your life, you will surely lose it. But if you give up your life for me, then you will receive life. Life. Are we willing to carry the cross? Oh, I, I know that sitting here in church or even online listening to the message, I, you know, I know the words that you're saying is, yes, I'm going to carry the cross. But whenever persecution comes, what are you going to do? Are you going to take the cross off? Whenever struggles come, are you going to take the cross off? That's what Peter did. Peter just professed. Let's look at this as we walk through the passage of Scripture. Jesus has just fed 5,000 people. Disciples saw that. Jesus just got through walking across the water. They saw that. Peter just made their proclamation that you are the Messiah and you're the Son of God. And now Peter is saying, no, Jesus, you're not going to do that. Because it's not the Messiah that he wanted. Whenever our life is interrupted by what we want, and God is directing us in a path that he wants us and needs for us to go, are we going to continue carrying the cross? It's easy. It's really easy whenever my plan and God's plan matches up, right? Life's cherry pie. I'm going to have some key lime pie tonight, so it might be key lime pie. But it's easy and it's good. But whenever I begin to drift off and I begin to ignore 
God's path. And I begin doing my path. Problems happen. Some of the times, problems happen because we choose to do it, right? I choose today to take off my cross. Some of the times, it's because we don't like the way that God is going. I'll confess, am I still going to carry the cross? Or am I going to throw up my hands and say, okay, God, I give up. I've done my best to minister to this community. I'm, I'm done. What about the second one whenever I got a bigger bouncy house? I did have at least four or five people that went through that one. Glenda went through that one with me. We have videos. Sheila went through that one with me. That time we had two people from the community show up. Maybe we did something a little bit better. But it still wasn't grandeur. It still wasn't 50 or 60 people from the community coming in and allowing the church to love on them and to give them the hot dogs and the drinks. And, uh, you know, there were more, there was so much food that was brought home. We want to give to people, right? We want to, we want to give God to people. We want to witness to people and we want other people to know Jesus Christ and, and to follow them. But it never turns out the way that we think it should. I, well, I, I say it for me. It's never turned out the way that I think it should. So am I going to throw off the cross? Or do I keep on going? I hope you get this. Jesus is calling for disciples. He's calling for us. He says, if you're going to follow me, you have to pick up your cross. And in following Jesus, Jesus knows what the cross is all about. Jesus carried that cross all the way to Golgotha, all the way to death, through all the persecution, through the cat of nine tails beating his back, all the whips pulling his beard out. He followed it. He carried it all the way. In the Garden of Gethsemane, praying to his father so hard that he was sweating drops of blood. Please take this away from me. But if not, I'll continue doing your will. Carrying the cross. He never said that it was going to be easy for us. 
But he gave us this indication. I talked about it a couple of weeks ago. Jesus walking on the water. Jesus saw where the disciples were. Saw their stress. Comes walking out there on the water. In the Gospel of John, he calls you know, Peter out. No, wait a minute. He calls John. He calls one of them out of the boat. Walks on the water. Sees the things around the world and takes his eyes off of God. And Jesus reaches down and picks him up. And then they get in the boat. Then the storm stopped. But they still had the work to do. You remember the oar in the Gospel of John. But in the Gospel of John, they were already on the other side. But in Matthew and Mark, they still had work to do. Hopefully I'm going to pull you into this. Because what we see here is that whenever we carry our cross, that Jesus is right there with us. The chore's not done, and he's not going to take the cross away from us. But he's going to give us the Holy Spirit that is going to guide us, direct us, and strengthen us so that we can carry the cross all the way to Golgotha. Because each and every one of us will breathe our last breath at some point in time. Will you be carrying your cross of Christianity, of believing in Jesus Christ, following Him? Or would you have set it off to the side because it got too difficult? Or would you have picked up another cross that for some reason you deemed more worthy? than the cross of Jesus Christ. I'm going to go this way. I'm going to carry the cross. I'm going to carry the cross all the way to I breathe my last breath. But the only way that I can do that is with the Holy Spirit living in me. Strengthening me, guiding me, and directing me. Jesus won't take the cross, but he'll make it a whole lot easier to carry. Dear Heavenly Father, I thank you so much for today. God, I thank you, dear Lord, for the words that you have given to us. God, I pray. God, I pray for each one that is here, dear Lord, that if they might have set the cross down, God, I pray today that they would pick it back up. And God, that they would ask your spirit, dear Lord, your Holy Spirit, ask him to come into their lives and to strengthen them and to help them to carry that cross. God, I pray, dear Lord, if there's someone there that Today that has set down your cross and has picked up another one. God, I pray, dear Lord, that they would see that your cross is the only cross that is worthy of carrying. 
that your cross, God, is the only life that we need. God, I pray that they would lay the other one down, that they would pick your cross up. God, I pray, dear Lord, for the ones that have never picked up a cross other than the worldly cross. And God, that today that they would receive your Son, Jesus Christ, as their Lord and Savior. And they would choose to follow you. In Jesus' name, amen. I'd ask that you would stand this morning as the praise and worship team comes in and sings the closing for us. As the praise and worship team is coming, I do want to make the announcement for you. Our prime timers are going to go apple picking. Uh, we're going to go September the 19th. There's going to be more information and stuff to follow, but please be mindful of that. September the 19th, we will have a sign-up sheet that's going to be available for you shortly. And if you would love to go or like to go on that trip with us, uh, you know, just let us know. You can let Wanda Davis know today if you know that you're going. Just simply get in touch with her and she'll let you know. All right. Let's sing these words as we are dismissed.